Now, some of you will be here for the first time, and let me just give you a tiny kind of recap. So this five-week series on spiritual gifts has really been looking at 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, and in particular, a list of nine gifts that it talks about. And so we've looked at the prophetic, we've looked at introduction to the spiritual gifts, we've looked at healing, and therefore we're continuing with tongues. Now, I realize, as the sum of the really intelligent amongst you, amongst you will have noticed, that I haven't done all of them. Uh, but don't worry, we'll get there one day. Uh, you know, there's, there's quite a lot in here. But the, the idea with this series is not just to sit there and be like, oh, do you know what, tick, we can tick off spiritual gifts. But actually, I really felt as we moved into this next season of the church, that it was about the church finding its voice. It's about our church finding its voice. And therefore, um, part of what the Lord gives us as we fight in this kingdom battle that we're in, and the truth is we are in an almighty battle. Jesus has won the victory in, the death and, uh, in his death and resurrection. So victory's been won, but we live in between times. And we're not yet at that final point where we get to go and be with Jesus. But we're in this moment here and now, many of you will come in this week and be like, do you know what? It's been a battle. It's been hard. And what the Lord gives us is he gives us a couple of things in this battle in terms of advancing his kingdom. The first one is that in Ephesians 6, he gives us the armor of God. That's what it talks about, the breastplate of righteousness and all the other parts of the armor which protect us because our battle isn't against um, flesh and blood, but against the devil's schemes. And so you've got that moment. But also the Lord gives us the gifts of the Spirit. And that's exactly what they are. They are gifts given to us in a moment to be used by him. They are not something that are ours. They are given by him. And therefore, all of the power and all is in him. But we get to partner with him, which is the most beautiful thing. And so as we're kind of concluding this series on spiritual gifts, I'm like, I want to see power in the church. Like, that's what I come back to. It's like, Jesus his bride should be full of power because Jesus is full of power. And so therefore we're coming back, you know, a phrase would be the empowered church. It's like actually that we would continue to grow in these things. Some of you have been Christians for, for decades. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's easy to be like, yeah, well, I've, you know, I've prayed for healing. I've had a prophetic word, but actually it's really easy to not be growing in these things to actually be like, oh, I did that once. It's like, no, 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 no. These are things that we're called to be operating in day in, day out, praying for the sick. When we come into church, what is your expectation of coming to be in this environment? Is it it's like, oh, do you know, what? I'm here to receive some teaching. Great. <laughs> but that's not, it's actually, we are the body. And that as we come in, there's the expectation. My, my hope is that you're coming in here. It's like, actually, does the Lord want to speak to somebody through me this evening? You know, is there a word that you're asking me to give? Is there somebody that you're asking me to pray for? Because the whole of our Christian life looks so different when we approach it like that. It's like, Lord, what do you want to do today? When you wake up in the morning, you're like, Lord, I'm here. I'm available. <laughs> what do you want to do? And honestly, faith looks completely different when you, rather than it's like, oh, I'm just going to get through today. It's like, Lord, what do you want to do today? And if you start asking that question, you're like, Lord, I want to partner with you today. I want to see your kingdom come today. Then suddenly, that's when the power begins to shift in the church and in these walls and also outside of these walls. So that was a very long introduction, but, you know, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so 
When we come to the gift of tongues, this might, some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so hopefully during the course of this talk, you'll be like, by the end of it, you're like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. But I just wanted to share a little bit about my experience uh, in my own life to help bring us into this moment. So in my family, my mum has always spoken in tongues. So ever since I, when I, the funny thing is when I actually think about my mum, I stop and I'm think about mum. I think about her speaking in tongues. Isn't that an interesting thing? You know, when you're like, when I, I think about my mum, I think about her praying and I think about her speaking in tongues. So as a teenager, from a young age, I was just used to, that was what you do. And so one of the moments when I would particularly see that is when my mum would be praying for somebody, which would be much of the time. Uh, just, and what she'd do is she'd start praying for somebody and then there would be kind of a, a waiting moment. And she, in that waiting moment, she would speak in tongues. She would start talking in a heavenly language. And so I hit my mid-teens and I suddenly go, hang on a minute, I don't know how to do this. This looks fun. I'm missing out. Mum, how do you do this? And so uh, I think she'd, she was probably like, I've got, I don't know, I know how to do it. But I think she had had a book or something, and she must have read a book about it. Uh, anyway, she encouraged me, which is really hilarious, and I do think it's hilarious when I think about this, every time I had a bath to speak in tongues. It must have been the bath salts. But uh, <laughs> no, she was like, that. this is just something that you grow in. So when you have a bath, pray and speak in tongues. So being the good son that I was and am, still am, uh, I was like, yes, yes, mother, whatever you say. And so for a period of about six months, I just, when I had a bath, I practiced speaking in tongues and just had that moment. So I would have said at the beginning, like I didn't by six months in, sorry, at the end of six months, I was like, I speak in tongues. So now I'm aware that's not everybody's experience of how they learn to speak in tongues. Uh, and actually, one of the interesting things when you're talking about this is people have lots of different experiences in this area. But um, I didn't have a dramatic moment. Some people I know, um, often it's equated with a baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's this moment, somebody gives their life to the Lord, somebody prays, and then there is the outworking of tongues in that moment as well. That often happens as well. But for other people, it's a longer um, journey. Um, but it was something because the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So it's like, actually, in for me, I was like, you've got something that I want. I'm eagerly desiring that. And I'm going to go on a journey in order to see that work out in my life. So to summarize for me, it was not dramatic. It was something that I grew in and something I still use today. Now, even as I was preparing, the, I, I was suddenly aware, actually, as I was preparing this talk, the great thing about being a preacher is that you have to preach the sermon to yourself first. Sucks sometimes. You're like, oh. Um, but in that moment, I was like, oh, do you know what? Interestingly, in that I was just aware in the last couple of years, I haven't spoken in tongues as much as I used to. And I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know why that is. You know, so when you kind of reflect on it, I was like, oh, that isn't something that I pushed into. And so this week kind of proceeding, moving into this moment, I feel like this, I feel like this God-given gift has been reawakened in me again. And I'm like, oh, this is a gift that the Lord has given. And therefore, it's, it was beautiful as I was just preparing my talk. I had a moment I was just speaking in tongues, preparing my talk. And I got just a deep, deep sense of the presence of God over me. And if I was to explain what it feels like, sometimes when you pray, 
you're sitting there thinking with your mind, aren't you? You're like, oh, Lord, would you do this? When, for me, what it feels like when I pray in tongues is that it's my soul crying out. It feels like there's something deep going on. My soul cries out to the Lord in that moment. For, for you, let's take a number of different situations where you're praying about something and, and you've just got no idea what to pray. Sometimes when I come to pray for Ukraine, for instance, I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to pray. But actually, that's a moment where the Lord gives us a prayer language. And therefore, that the, these moments, so many instances where we don't know what to pray, but our soul unites with the Lord. And that's what I think is going on. Now, to be honest with you, I've never felt compelled to speak out a tongue publicly. Well, that's one of the things that we're going to look at uh, that it talks about in 1 Corinthians as well, where somebody actually speaks out a tongue and then you sit and you wait for the interpretation of that tongue. I've never personally done that, but I do hope that the Lord would use me in that way at some point. You know, So we're all on a journey and I'm growing in these things as well. So basically, that's my experience. Now, I expect there are probably people here today who found the teaching or practice of speaking in tongues a bit weird, troubling, or confusing. And you may have even felt hurt by it as it's gone on. And if that's you, then I hope that as we look at this whole subject today, that there will be an opportunity to set some things straight and to help understand inform our understanding of this gift as well. So from the outset, there are two common teachings about this gift, about tongues that I want to address right from the outset. The first one is this. If you don't speak in tongues, then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and you're probably not saved. Now, in some church um, streams and denominations, there would be feeling that baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues goes together, and that that's a sign of um, the Spirit of God over you, all of those things. But, and there are some teachers, some, some streams that would teach that, but I want to come clarify that we do not believe that here in the Vineyard Church. So just to be really clear about that. In the book of Acts, there are over 20 accounts of people coming to faith and being filled with the Holy Spirit. But only three of those stories specifically specify that they spoke in tongues. So you see that in Acts 2, in Acts 10, and Acts 19. But in the rest of those occasions, you don't see that. So let's be clear. What we see in the New Testament is that sometimes when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they do speak in tongues, but it doesn't always happen. That's because speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Spirit, but it's not the only gift of the Spirit. And Paul's quite clear in 1 Corinthians 12 that the Spirit distributes his gifts among God's people as he chooses. And the beauty of the church is that we're one body made up of many parts and we each bring up and contribute what God has given us to build up, strengthen and encourage one another. So if you're a Christian and you've never spoken in tongues, don't panic. That's what I'm saying. I know plenty of godly people that do not speak in tongues thus far. And so I just wanted to say, if that's your experience and you don't speak in tongues, that is not a sign that you do not know the Lord. The second teaching is this. If you don't speak in tongues, then you're not a mature Christian. One of the things... Again, some denominations would suggest that speaking in tongues is a sign of Christian maturity. We don't believe that here at the Vineyard. Again, that's not a thing that we believe either. There are people who decide to follow Jesus. They get baptized and they're filled with the Spirit in that moment. 
So in that moment, does that minute, do they suddenly become mature? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, suddenly they are speaking in tongues, but it doesn't mean that there's a maturity over them. Um, and there are others, be others that say yes to Jesus, follow him faithfully for the rest of their lives and will never utter a single tongue. Speaking in tongues isn't a sign of Christian maturity. And it's not a barometer of how strong your faith is. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like, well, I speak in tongues. It's like, wow, you are super spiritual. Do you know what I mean? That moment. And, you know, because we like to do things like that. So I just want to say that's not what we believe either. Um, But we do believe the gift of tongues is a gift that God has given his people through his spirit for good reasons. So we do believe that it's good. We do believe that we're called to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And we do believe that the gift of tongues is also available. So holding those three different things in tension is where we stand. Now, I'm not going to shy away from the fact there is also mystery in this. Now, the Bible doesn't talk a great deal about speaking in tongues, and we'll see in most of the passages where it does, it's into a specific context and not necessarily answering all the questions that we might have today, unfortunately. But I'll do my best as we move forwards. And there are basically two questions that I want to try and tackle in the time that I've got left today. The first one is this, what is the gift of tongues? And the second is this, and how do we use this gift well? So let's start with the first question. What is the gift of tongues? In the opening verses, get your Bibles out. We're going to be in chapter 14, verses 1 and 2 to start with. It says this, follow the way of love. Again, this is referring back to chapter 13 in Corinthians, which is this beautiful passage about love that we often divorce from the teaching of spiritual gifts. People go, oh, we hear that at a wedding, and we're like, that's an amazing passage about love. Do you know what? That love passage is all about spiritual gifts. (laughs) And it's right in the middle. It's not an accident. That's what it's talking about. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone, verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So let's just pause there for a moment on this verse 2. I think there are three things in verse 2 that we learn about the gift of tongues. Firstly, when we speak in tongues, we are speaking to God, not to people. That's the first thing. Secondly, speaking in tongues is speaking words that nobody understands. And then thirdly, when somebody speaks in tongues, they are uttering mysteries by the Spirit. So in other words, it's the Spirit of God that's enabling them to speak these words that nobody understands. Now, I'm using the word tongues and the phrase gift of tongues because that's how most Bible translators translate it. Seems like a good start. But I don't know about you, but I can find this language a little bit unhelpful. And I I can feel why other people might find it a little bit strange as well. Because speaking in tongues just sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Let's just put that in the room. Ah, just me. Great. It's not something that we really have any other reference for in our culture or society. And the Greek word that many of our Bible translates as tongues is actually more accurately translated as languages. So we could refer to this as gift as speaking in languages or as the gift of languages. But that gets a little bit confusing as well. Because my brain, my little small tiny brain, immediately thinks of French and Spanish. Oh, you've got the gift of languages. Oh, you speak French. Brilliant. 
no, that's not what we're talking about. I don't think that's what Paul is talking about here. And just as a quick aside, I've heard a number of stories over the years from sources that I deem to be reliable, where people have been speaking out loud in tongues in gathered settings, and somebody else in the room actually recognized the language that they were speaking and even understood exactly what they were saying. So what I'm saying in that moment is somebody doesn't speak a language, they give a tongue in a language, and then somebody who speaks a different language translate is like, oh my goodness, you're speaking my language. Miracle. <laughs> and there are a number of, Mike Pulavachi tells a great story. There's a number of testimonies that I've read about these moments as well. Let's be really honest, it's also in the Bible. <laughs> Wowzers. Really? Acts 2, that beautiful moment, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes, fills people, and they begin to speak in tongues. And in that account, we see how Jews from all the nations have gathered into Jerusalem. And as they heard the Spirit-filled believers speak out in tongues, they heard the gospel being proclaimed in their own tongue. Absolute miracle going on. And we know that God is a God of miracles and that these things can still happen today as well. So all that to say, I wouldn't dismiss the possibility that sometimes the Holy Spirit can empower people momentarily to speak in other human languages that they hadn't previously been able to speak in. So there you go. But as I said, from what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians and in other parts of the New Testament, most of the time, I don't think that's what the gift of tongues primarily is or how it primarily shows up. What I find most helpful is to understand speaking in tongues as a prayer language. That's, that's what I find the most helpful thing. What is prayer? Prayer is speaking to God. So a prayer language is quite simply a language we use to speak to God. So where prophecy is God speaking through his spirit to his people. Tongues is a person speaking through the spirit to God. It's the other way around. That's what I think is going on. I wouldn't use tongues to speak to you um, or somebody else. It's a language with which we communicate to God. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul refers to speaking in the tongues of angels, that beautiful phrase. So I think of tongues as the language of the spirit. And as God fills us up with his spirit, one of the gifts he may give us at times when we may need it is the ability to speak to him in the language of his spirit. So you might speak in tongues as you pray, but you may also speak in tongues when you worship, as you sing songs of praise to God. We sometimes have a moment every now and then in a service where I turn around and I'm like, do you know what? Can we just like, we're going to take a moment and we're all going to speak out. If you've got the gift of tongues, why don't you just speak out in the heavenly language and we're all going to go for it together? We do do that. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, Paul says, I will pray with my spirit. And then moments later in the same verse, he says, I will sing with my spirit. Isn't that beautiful? It's like, actually, I'm going to use this to cry out to God. We're singing to God. So it makes sense that sometimes when we worship, we may also find it helpful to sing in the language of the spirit. Here's my attempt at summarizing what the gift of tongues is. Listen to it and see whether you agree with me. The gift of tongues is a prayer language given to us by the Spirit to help us speak to God. When we speak in tongues, we speak out words we do not understand to help us say to God the things in our heart that we do not have the words to say. That's what I think tongues is. 
So hopefully that gives us a strong starting point for understanding what the gift of tongues is. Now let's consider what that might look like in practice. That's all very well. It's like, great, I've got a definition of tongues. It's like, okay, so how do we use this gift? And that's what we see in 1 Corinthians 14. There's a whole section about how this should be used. 1 Corinthians 14 is by far the most in-depth passage on this subject in the entire Bible. Um, But what we see in this, it's written into a really specific context. Paul is addressing the issue of tongues being extensively used in public gatherings. So let me give you a picture. What happens is you lot all come in this evening and you all start shabbering in the spirit. Do you know what I mean? Let's put it like that. You know, you come in, there's no order at all because you're all speaking in tongues. So this is what Paul's talking about. When he's talking into 1 Corinthians 14, he's like, everybody's coming in and everybody's just shouting out in tongues in a language that nobody understands and nobody knows what's going on. That is so deeply unhelpful to everybody. So that's what Paul's addressing. Now, let's be really honest. If the Corinthian church was here, everybody's coming in talking in tongues, I think we might be more over here. <laughs> so so context-wise, I... I I don't think Paul might be saying exactly the same thing to us. But what he does beautifully in this passage is he says, do you know what? You're struggling with this. Let me give you some instruction. Let me give you some parameters of how do you use this gift well? What is this gift to be used for? And how, when you all come together in a public gathering, do I want this gift to be outworked? That's what Paul's talking about. Um, And Paul has been trying to explain to the Corinthians how all the gifts have been given for the common good. They are to build up the church. And again and again, it's all of the gifts of the Spirit are to build up the church. They're not to be divisive. They're not to come against things. They are to bring us to unity. And Paul was concerned that overemphasis on speaking in tongues wasn't helping anybody. If anything, it was damaging the church and hindering people from accepting the gospel. So in chapter 14, Paul goes to great lengths to explain why this isn't good. And he compares the gift of tongues to the gift of prophecy to help make his case. So I'm just going to go through a few verses here. Paul is not against speaking in tongues. In in fact, he's really for tongues, but he wants it to be used in the right setting. Verse five, he says this, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. It's pretty clear, isn't it? I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But then he says, but I would rather that you prophesy. Interesting. In verse 18, he then indicates he himself often speaks in tongues. Again, I love the way the Apostle Paul puts things. He says this, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. It's like, you guys, you haven't got it. I've got it. Uh, And then he says, but in the church... I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul's saying, I do this all of the time in private. In fact, I do it more than all of you. Like if you were to see me at home, I am going for it in tongues. But when I come into a gathered environment, actually it is used differently. And then finally in verse 39, he tells the Corinthians, Be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So he's really clear. Paul is saying, I absolutely love this gift, this prayer language between you and God, between me and God. But actually, prophecy is different. He doesn't have a problem with gifts. 
Then in verses 3 and 4, Paul tells the Corinthians, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Do you remember that? When we talked about prophecy, when I'm like, what is prophecy? It's to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Again, right there in the scripture. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And then a bit further along in verse 5, he says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that all the church may be edified again. It's clear that Paul's heart is for the whole church to be edified, to be built up, strengthened, encouraged. And in verse 26, he states this quite plainly. He says, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Paul's point is that when someone teaches or shares a prophetic word, everyone who hears it can understand what's being said and can take encouragement from it. But if somebody stands up in a meeting like this, speaks out loud in an unrecognizable language, we know that they're speaking to God in a prayer language. It's building them up. It's helping them to draw near to God. But nobody knows what they're saying. It's a bit like, we don't know what's going on in this moment. Paul says in verse 16, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I love that. It's really great, isn't it? It's like, I can't even say amen to this because I've got no idea what you're saying. So what do we do with this? Well, verses 26 to 28, Paul offers some instructions. He says this, again, giving us some parameters. When you come together, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to themselves and to God. Three weeks ago, I was meeting with some church leaders, and a lady stood up, and she gave a word in, in a tongue for probably three minutes, two, three minutes. Do you know what I mean? It was like this full on. Then as this group of leaders, we waited. You know, we took a couple of minutes. We stopped. We waited. And somebody interpreted the tongue of what had just been said. It's beautiful. It's beautiful when we do it. In fact, we used to probably see it quite a lot more in our community. We, If you go back a bit when we were a little bit smaller as a church, we used to have something called the prophecy mic at the back of church. And um, it was kind of a section during the service where people would come up and give prophetic words during the service. And actually, at those times, I can think of, you know, I, I'm not saying it happened week in, week out, but probably quite a few occasions in the life of the church, somebody would give a tongue, somebody would speak out in a tongue, and then we would just wait. And if there was no interpretation, then we would just move on. Or if there wasn't an interpretation, it's like, great. <laughs> um, so that's when you come together, that's what Paul's instructions are. Um, chances are there will be an interpretation, but we wait. And so if somebody was to give a word here this evening, they were to give a, a, a word in, in a tongue, we would probably stop. We would take a moment and we would just wait for a couple of minutes and be like, is there an interpretation of that? Has anybody got an interpretation? And there's a kind of a slightly nervous wait, if I'm honest. Like, is there going to be an interpretation? Um, but Paul is giving, he's saying, I'm up for using it in private and I'm up for it being in public as well. But ultimately his heart is that the gifts of the spirit would be used appropriately to strengthen the church. 
whether it's during ministry or whether it's in private. So just in finishing, we have been given this, we, we're given beautiful gifts. The Lord gives his gifts. They are from the Lord. And as, as a church, taking this gift of tongues, Paul says, I want you all to speak in tongues. It's pretty clear, isn't it? He's like, I want you to continue to grow in the things of the Spirit. I want to, you to continue to grow in the prophetic. I want you to continue to grow in healing during this life that we keep pressing in. And I'm aware of that some of you I've never spoken in a tongue. And so others of you, this could be a moment where there's a, you know, I talked about a little bit about a reawakening, didn't I? For me, I was like, oh, I'm just aware that this is a, this is a gift that the Lord has given that I have not been using. And so what I want to do is I'd love you to stand and we're going to pray and we're going to invite the spirit.